0: to another episode of the Elemental Evans show. Thank you all for tuning in today again. Uh, can you believe it is episode 14 already? I wow, it's blowing my mind. I was just going over the notes today and I could not believe that it was already episode 14. So for those of you who have been supporting since episode 1, thank you all so so much. It means a lot to me and if this is your first episode, Welcome, I am Evan Roberts and this is my health podcast. I'm a health coach and a yoga teacher and I just love sharing everything health, so thank you very much for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy this episode. So this episode is going to be the first part of a series on superfoods that I'll be doing and the first superfood we're going to cover is honey. And really it's more than just honey, it's all bee products that you would consume. And uh, before we get into that, I just kind of want to go over what a superfood is. So a superfood is labeled as any kind of a food that offers maximum nutritional benefits, such as extremely high levels of minerals, vitamins, or antioxidants. Now, the reason I'm covering all these different superfoods is because they're very, very important, especially in today's world, because what's happening is our produce is becoming less and less Uh, concentrated in vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and just overall nutrients the reason this is happening is because the way we produce our food is really just depleting the soil because what's happening is we have such a large population and we have to grow so much produce but what we're doing is we are you know having these monocrops where it's let's say just corn And you grow corn year after year on the same soil. And what it ends up doing is taking the nutrients. um, You know, let's say like corn is high in iron. I'm just making this up. But it would take iron out of the soil every single year in large amounts. And eventually, that iron is going to deplete. And there's not going to be very much iron left in the soil. So what ends up happening is you get this soil that is nutrient depleted. And what we have to do is add synthetic fertilizers typically to them we have to spray them with a lot of pesticides because now the plants are weak because they're not getting the right amount of uh, minerals and nutrients to them so they are weak against you know any insects that might attack them Uh, and then also we're genetically modifying the plants because we are trying to make them a sturdier variation so that they can last longer and continue to be grown but really what's happening is we're having produce that is lower in just overall levels of nutrients. And now if you took like an apple from 50 years ago to now, that apple 50 years ago would have had a lot more uh, minerals and vitamins in it. Now that's not to say that the produce that you're eating right now doesn't have, you know, vitamins and minerals and antioxidants in it. It's just in lower levels than it used to be. So the reason superfoods are so important is because they're really high in these you know, specific minerals and vitamins and antioxidants and just like a huge uh, array of nutrients that they have and they can really help to um, be a, added into your diet and make up for the nutrients that you're not getting from the produce that you eat every single day. And so this is going to go ahead and lead me into our first superfood of the series. And that is going to be just, let's call it bee products. But before I really delve into this, I want to give you a little bit of background on bees because they are just so incredible and all the stuff they do is really, really amazing and we truly rely on them. So to start it off, the honeybee, which is what we're really focusing on here today, is originally from Eurasia and they were actually transported to other countries. So for example, in the Americas, according to a fossil that scientists found, Um, There was at least one species of honeybee here in the Americas 14 million years ago, but has long since been extinct. So when European settlers started migrating over to the Americas, um, here in the United States, the first place to receive honeybees was Virginia in 1622. And from there, the bees started to migrate naturally to the different surrounding areas, and they were officially brought over to California in 1853 and that was actually by transportation of a boat, not through land migration. Now, just because there weren't any honeybees out here in the Americas doesn't mean that we didn't have any pollinators. There were native pollinators already here in the Americas which were pollinating all of the produce that you would have originally found out here. These pollinators just simply did not produce any honey and the honeybees are good at you know, uh, pollinating specific kinds of crops. So now let's get a little bit more into the life of a bee. So for a honeybee in a hive, you have three main roles. You have the role of the worker bee who is always a female and not only a female, but a female who cannot reproduce. So whenever you see bees flying around outside, pollinating different flowers and plants, those are always actually female bees the male bees and the queen bee you will typically never really see unless you go to a beehive. So that leads me to the next, uh, role, which is a drone bee. So a drone bee are the only male bees in a hive. So these male bees, they do not have any stingers and they only have one role and that role is to reproduce with the queen. And so yes, you guessed it. The last role would be the queen bee. So the queen bee is a very, very interesting bee, and her life is just a trip. So, for starters, the queen bee is actually the only female in the whole colony that is able to reproduce and lay larvae. So she produces all of the larvae for the colony, she lives exceptionally long when compared to a worker bee, for example, that only lives four to seven weeks on average, and that's during the summer and spring months because during winter it is a little bit different. But on average, the worker bee lives four to seven weeks and the queen bee lives on average two to six years. So a significantly longer life than the normal working bee. Also, the queen bee is fed a diet solely made up of royal jelly as opposed to honey. So you're probably wondering what the heck does, you know, how does the queen bee found or born or something like that? Well, it's a very interesting process. When the existing queen bee begins to grow old, her pheromones become weaker and the rest of the bees can sense this. So what ends up happening is the bees begin to build these little cells in which they're going to place the healthiest larva that they can find. Um, Sometimes they can find multiple larvae, you know, five, ten different larvae, and they will put them in these cells and feed them only royal jelly and they give them a lot of it. So a normal larva does get royal jelly, but only for about three days. These larvae that are meant to become queen bees will receive an unlimited supply of royal jelly. So now while in the cell, these queen larvae are eating the royal jelly, and once they fully develop into a queen bee, they break out of those cells, and they end up actually getting a little, um, <laughs> a little bit power grabby here, and they will send off a like a ping, a little noise, and all the other queen bees will go ahead and respond to that. Even the old queen bee will sometimes respond to that. And what ends up happening is these queen bees start to have a duel to the death. And so they fight until there's only one queen bee left. Um, There are rare cases where uh, the existing queen bee can still coexist or, you know, they take off and build another colony. You know, there's other variations, but typically there's only one queen bee left, you know, the strongest of them all. And once she ends up, you know, killing the rest of her competition, she goes on what's called the mating flight. So... The queen bee will take off from the hive and fly as high as she can at a really, really fast speed. The reason she does that is because all the drone bees, or the male bees, will be flying around in a swarm, and when they see her, they chase after her. Now, being that she's going very high and fast, it's going to require all the other male bees to be uh, you know, at their, the most fit that they possibly can be so that they can reproduce with her. So this is kind of natural selection happening here. You know, they're trying to find the strongest drone bees and the fastest drone bees that they can to reproduce with the queen bee. Now, what's also very interesting is these drone bees, when they mate with the queen bee, they actually, <laughs> well, for be- for lack of a better word, when they finish, they actually release um, their sexual organs uh, from their body and then they die. So the little death, you know, and uh, that's literally their whole purpose is just they live to reproduce and uh, the queen bee, she will mate with about 10 to 12 uh, drone bees during this mating flight. And after she's done mating, she will then return back to the hive, at which point she has now become a fully matured. Queen bee, and she has stored, you know, millions of sperm inside of her, and she can go on to lay literally millions of larvae, and uh, throughout her lifetime. So she really only does this mating uh, flight pretty much one time in her lifetime, and that's when she collects all the sperm, and then she is able to lay all the larvae. Which, on that note, on a good day, a queen bee can lay up to 2,000 larvae in one day. Super crazy and just really incredible reproduction right there. Um, And so, yeah, that's pretty much the life and the roles of the bees. But I also wanted to throw a little interesting fact in there. And that is that the average worker bee only makes one twelfth of a teaspoon on average in its lifetime. So when you're buying a jar of honey, that is literally the cumulative work of you know, thousands of bees probably just to produce that uh, jar of honey that you have. So, you know, have a lot of respect because a lot of uh, time, work, effort and lives literally went into the honey that you're eating. And uh, yeah, I just I thought that was a really interesting fact and uh, it gives you a little bit more respect for the work they do. Um, But now we're going to dive into, you know, the different products that bees produce and why they are considered uh, superfoods. So, to kick off the products that the bees produce, we're going to start with royal jelly. So, I already mentioned it earlier. It's what the queen bee eats, and only uh, the queen bee eats it. Now, the larva, as I said, do get a little bit of royal jelly in the beginning, and that is because royal jelly is kind of like the equivalent of a mother's breast milk, okay? It has everything that you kind of need to develop life and to grow and be, you know, your healthiest self. So what happens is this royal jelly, which is created by the bees, uh, it has, you know, a ton of different nutrients in it that is great for the development of the bees and is believed to have a lot of very beneficial properties for humans as well. So royal jelly is composed of proteins, carbohydrates, vitamins B, C, E, and A, lipids, minerals, flavonoids, polyphenols, and several biologically active substances. It is a truly incredible um, food product, whatever you want to call it. It's just, it's really an incredible thing. And on that note... If you're just looking at what it does for the queen, being that it allows her to live two to six years as opposed to four to seven weeks, that's a really, really big difference there. And not only that, but it also allows the queen bee to develop the ability to reproduce and not only reproduce, but lay you know, up to 2,000 larvae in a day, so really, really beneficial with longevity and reproduction. So, you know, along with the longevity and reproduction, it's also been shown to help with things such as stamina, uh, lowering blood pressure, also lowering the uh, levels of LDL or your bad cholesterol. Um, it's good for your immunity and it's also good for skincare. So a lot of things going on here with Royal Jelly, but I would also put a note out there that... Royal jelly can be pricey, but you are going to get what you pay for. It's a very difficult to harvest substance. And also, we should really be looking at the care being given to the bees. And in my opinion, it is worth a little bit more money to uh, make sure that those bees are take, being t- well taken care of, especially being that you are taking kind of like, you know, their. uh queen's food away from them you know and and their child's food away from them Um, obviously we're not completely taking it away but still you want to make sure they're being taken care of and so moving on uh, there is a honey out there that you've probably heard about and you may or may not know what it really is but that is manuka honey so manuka honey kind of emerged on the market largely about five to ten years ago here in the u.s. um what it is really, it's it's a honey that's harvested from the nectar secreted by um, this tree in Australia and uh, in New Zealand. It's called the Manuka tree, and supposedly it's supposed to be very uh, high in antibacterial properties, which makes a lot of sense because all honey is antibacterial, but supposedly this honey is Supposed to be very, very antibacterial, and it probably has something to do with the manuka tree being naturally uh, high in antibacterial properties. But if you didn't already know this, if you have a cut or a scrape or a burn, you can put honey on it topically to uh, prevent any um, bacterial infections from being created or even spreading. So, kind of a good thing to know if you don't have any um, band aids or or you know polysporin or anything like that and so that's gonna lead us to our next one which is honey so obviously you probably already know what honey is but just in case you didn't honey is made from a nectar from flowers and different plants where the bees will go up and you know use their long tongue to drink up this nectar and once they drink it up their digestive system begins to uh, have this process go on that starts to create the honey and i know this is a little gross but the bees will then regurgitate it and give it to another bee which will then digest it up a little bit further and so on and so forth until they regurgitate the honey into a little cell in the honeycomb and at which point it is still very liquidy and they need to evaporate the water out of it So, the bees will go ahead and flap their their wings uh, to help speed up the evaporation process, and then they will secrete some beeswax onto the comb to seal the honey and preserve it for later in the winter months. Now, as we know, honey is good for multiple things, but just to cover a short list, we know that it is good for seasonal allergies, it is antibacterial, as I stated, Um, Good for the heart health by lowering blood pressure and LDL, like which I said was uh, bad cholesterol, as well as lowering triglyceride levels. So yes, um, Honey Nut Cheerios was not lying (laughs) about being heart healthy, but Honey Nut Cheerios is lying about the fact that they are not heart healthy. So just go get yourself some raw, unfiltered, organic honey, uh, local if you can. And you will be much better off than consuming Honey Nut Cheerios because they are uh, not good for you. (laughs) So uh, yeah, stay away from that and just get yourself some good honey. Uh, Also, it is good for sore throats and coughs, which obviously many people already use as a home remedy when they are dealing with a cough or or a sore throat. Now, moving on to a lesser known uh, product of the bees, Uh, this is propolis or can also be called propolis. Uh, I call it propolis, so I'm just going to continue on with that, and it is basically a tree or plant resin that the bees collect, and they actually use it to seal cracks and holes in the hive and keep things clean, and the reason uh, they use this to keep things clean is because it's extremely antibacterial, antiviral, and antifungal, so this is how they keep their hive very sanitary and clean. On that note, propolis is great as an antiseptic, an anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antifungal, antiviral, and antibacterial. So there is a throat spray, which I will place a link in the show notes to, and it is a propolis throat spray. So... You know, when people are dealing with a cold or respiratory issue or maybe a common virus that's been very popular here recently and affects the respiratory system, Uh, not to throw any names around, but (laughs) uh, this would be a great thing if you're actually uh, dealing with any of those kind of illnesses or uh, viral infections or anything like that. Because you can spray this spray into the back of your throat and let it sit there and just let all those antiviral, antibacterial properties just do their work. So really, really um, a great item to have and I love the fact that propolis has gained a lot of um, attention here recently. And so now we're going to move on to the last item that I'm going to be speaking about today, which is pollen. So a lot of you already probably know what pollen is, but if you don't, it is that little yellow powder that is produced by you know flowers and different uh, plants and trees. And what ends up happening is the bees will go to you know drink the nectar from these flowers or trees, and as they're doing that, they are in uh, they're collecting pollen on their little hairs on their body, and then they jump from flower to flower which actually ends up pollinating all of our crops or, well, not all, but a majority of our crops, which is another reason why bees are so, so important is because they are just really big pollinators. Now uh, there's obviously other kinds of pollinators out there, but I just wanted to throw this little fact out there and that's that an estimated um, price given to all the pollinators in the world was 208 billion dollars so the cumulative um you know pricing or you know like how much these pollinators are worth was 208 billion dollars and this was a study done in 2005 so that's really quite a trip um but it does make a lot of sense because can you imagine people going from flower to flower trying to pollinate every single one every single one of their crops i mean it would be Uh, asinine to be able to do that or it would just take a long time and increase the cost of our produce because when the bees go from flower to flower pollinating they're actually allowing those plants to produce their fruit or their vegetable so when you hear people say save the bees they are referring to the fact that they are very very valuable we rely on them heavily and they are not doing so hot right now. So if you are curious as to how you can help save the bees or even just local pollinators, which are very important as well, the best thing to do is to plant varieties of plants that bees and other pollinators like. This is because in times when maybe there wasn't a lot of rain or just the crops weren't so good that year, these bees and other pollinators will still have the opportunity to go and pollinate some plants, receive some nectar, some food for them, and keep them happy and thriving. And it's really good to have a variety of plants because you don't want just one kind of pollinator. You want a multitude of pollinators to pollinate all different kinds of plants. And yes, some of these pollinators are even mosquitoes and flies, which I do not care very much for, but everything has its role. Also, on the note of pollen, if you suffer from seasonal allergies, which I did for at least a year, Um, it's really a good idea to find some local pollen. So if anyone is selling honey or there's a little honey stand uh, somewhere near where you live, see if they have pollen and go ahead and ask them if it is local pollen. Uh, Typically, you don't wanna really go further than 25 miles away. Uh, If you can keep it to a mile or two away, that's even better. And really what you're doing is you're slowly introducing just a little bit of that pollen. So you just take a little pinch every single day Um, You know as spring is starting and it will help to build your immunity to the pollen in the air You can also pair this with some royal jelly and honey and propolis and they will kind of all work together to help combat those seasonal allergies and I can truly say that they helped me out quite a bit with it because it was terrible having the runny noses or the just the stuffy nose and you can't breathe at night and, you know, running, uh, uh, watery eyes. So yeah, definitely give this a try if you suffer from that. And aside from that, that's going to bring us to the end of this episode. So thank you all for listening in once again. I hope you really enjoyed this. Um, bees are super interesting and I love hearing all these facts about them. So doing this kind of research was really just actually quite entertaining for me uh and i hope you really enjoyed this episode so please if you haven't already leave me a five-star review if you can leave a comment on or a review on apple Podcasts, i would love that i read all the comments and they really mean a lot for me to hear so thank you all for uh already doing that and if you haven't please do so and aside from that i hope everyone has a great rest of their week And remember, just do everything with good intentions, and I send my love, and peace. This podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. Evan Roberts is not a medical professional, and the show is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Statements and views expressed on this show are not medical advice. This podcast, including Evan Roberts and any guests on the show, disclaims responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained in this episode. If you think you have a medical problem, please consult a medical professional.